skies all open wide, geese go high and over. Oh, now you're a beachcomber, fist full of sand for sea. Jason and Nathan are the dynamic duo from the wonderful Deepdale Farm on the North Norfolk coast. The estate manager's got his hat on. Hip, 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 hooray. (laughs) (laughs) Are you on the quad? I am, yes, with a seed spreader on the back. Well, it's farm chat. It's June. I don't know how it's June, but it is. It's it's June. Wait, um, I know. <laughs> Where did that come from? Anybody would thought it followed May. It, it's very strange. I'm I'm sitting at home, not outside, because I can't see my computer screen if I'm sitting outside because it's such beautiful weather. Nathan, on the other hand, is somewhere much more interesting. Where are you, mate? I'm at the very top of the farm, the top of the world. I'm on the, the highest field on the farm, which is Big Breck. And I'm just sat at the edge of the, the field and I'm looking at a couple of Chinese water deer sprinting across the field at the moment. And my good colleague, Stephen, is uh, currently drilling a clover mix. He's, very, he's sort of surface drilling. He's basically just scattering it on the surface of the field. And immediately before he did that, I've just been basically zipping around the field with on one of the farm vehicles with a seed spreader on the back broadcasting a rye and wheat mix which is a sort of a nursery crop to protect the clover from sort of being too exposed until it gets established this is the last clover lay that we are drilling on the farm and and this will be in place for for two years so this is the last one we've got to do this year uh, not the last bit of work we've got to do this year, but the last bit of clover. And so, yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful day to be doing it, and we could probably do with a bit of rain before too long to help to get everything established. And so, let me just so everybody is clear. This is so this is a, um, what we would describe as a year one of our five year organic rotation for this this particular plot that you're drilling. Yeah. So the idea is that it stays in for two years, and then there'll be a probably a, a barley or a, a wheat crop going in after that in year three as you probably know well we've explained this a, a few times in the past that basically all of our all of our areas will be in in rotation in a five five year rotation so you have year one clover lay year two clover lay year three would be wheat or barley year four a legume probably beans and then a year five wheat or barley and um, so this is the beginning these field although we've kind of got lots of different plots at different stages in the five-year plan these ones are kind of they begin at year one yeah so it's 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 going to be great and and Stephen managed to last weekend get the other plot on that field uh, done we uh, were waiting for a, a, an extra load of clover and that arrived this morning. So Nathan and uh, Stephen jumped straight on it and are, are up there. Yeah, um, no, this, I mean, this, 
Yeah, this I mean, this field is going into year one clover because, I mean, it really needs it re really, really needs to take a break for two years. This field was last used to grow carrots and it's had the guts knocked out of it. There's hardly any organic matter. We had potatoes a year before that as well. So, you yeah, know, it really so, has had the, you know, the guts knocked out of it. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's really, 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 really tired. And we've got a lovely mix. Our, our clover lay is, is more than just clover, actually. I mean, a lay, just for, for anyone who's listening, is essentially a sort of a, a temporary feature, sort of some grassland or herbs that are put down really in this case for the purpose of fertility building and allowing the soil to to recover for a while so that's two full years that this that these plots up in big Breck are coming out of production and all they're doing is they're just growing clover which when it gets established romps away and puts on masses of organic organic matter lots of biomass and also what the amazing thing about clover is because it forms a lovely thick carpet it actually suppresses weeds. So we essentially have the soil covered and shielded from erosion by wind and water, which we know that we really need to do on the farm. And actually also what we're doing is we're keeping weeds under control and the clover that we have, the legumes that we have in this mix are all fixing nitrogen and, and storing that um, basically so that we have you know, fertility for the following crop. So, I mean, and it's, an, it's a nice mix, it's red clover, um, there's another another kind of clover called a black medic, which is a little low-lying clover with tiny little yellow flowers. And then we've got lucerne, which is another legume, um, which uh, which is also fixing nitrogen. And then we've got mustard and late-flowering perennial ryegrass. And so it's um, it's a mix that we just put on the soil, very very shallow, and then we'll roll it in. We need good soil contact for the clover to get established. So. After Stephen and I have finished getting this clover in today, we'll then come back up with, here with rollers and roll, roll, roll the field so that you basically, it's so that it's like a pool table afterwards. We're looking for it to be smooth enough you could ride a, ride a bike over it without sort of shaking your teeth out. And that's, uh, that's all we need to do here. And then we'll just keep an eye on it and try and keep the pigeons uh, from eating all the clover when it, gets, when it starts to get going. And then you're heading down to uh, the marsh fields to put in the OP2. Is that the next plan or to kind of at least um, prep that ground in preparation for the OP2? Yeah, now we have, and so OP2 is the sort of the code which is given to a wild bird seed mixture under the sort of mid-tier countryside stewardship agreement that we have. So we've been using this shorthand. We'll refer to um, SW6, which is an overwinter cover crop, or we'll refer to um, OP4, which I think is something like a multi-species lay, or we'll refer to AB8, which is a pollinator mix, and OP2 is a wild bird seed mix. And we've got a lovely mix which contains kale, uh, fennel, um, some spring wheat, uh, some um, millet, all sorts of goodies. There's loads and loads of stuff in there, loads of sunflowers as well. And that wild bird seed mix, we'll get that established on 20, just over 20 hectares of the farm. But because we're working in an organic system, gardeners may recognize the term um, stale seed bed. Because we can't use pesticides, we're putting this wild bird seed mix onto areas where we've, um, we've previously had crops growing and we also have arable plants growing. And so what we'll start off by doing as soon as we finish this clover is we'll cut and cultivate the areas that are gonna get the wild bird seed mix. And then we need to leave them for a little while 
and then go back and knock out any weeds that come up so that we have as, as sort of as clean a seedbed as we can manage with an, an organic system. And then, yeah, the wild bird seed mix is a two-year mixture. So we actually establish it this year and it stays in for two years and provides a different range of plants um, in next year. And the idea is we, we leave it in the ground and we don't cut it at the end of the year. And the stalks of various different things like the sunflowers and the millet and the kale, they're all upright, they stay in place. And over winter, as they die off, as they reach senescence, you have a lovely seed source for um, all the various different wild birds that we have around the area. And so we are, you know, if we get that wild bird seed mix established, we're providing a, a fantastic support for, uh, for wild bird populations. So I think that's going to be my word of the day, senescence. I, I, it's not something I use in everyday use. And uh, uh, you've now educated me. Thank you very much. That's great. <laughs> You're word welcome. Of the day. <laughs> I think that's senescence cool. is the state that I'm achieving rapidly uh, this week, trying to get one of our tractors working as well. Um, yeah, the week. 200 is um, is not your favourite piece of kit. And um, it, it's it's done its time. But uh, buying tractors is a an expensive business, folks. And, yeah, so we're... We're going to see whether we can give it a last gasp by getting it um, some serious repairs. But uh, I have a, a a sad feeling. I think um, I think uh, Stephen's comment was that the tyres might be worth something, which is a pretty damning indictment from our our, our friendly northerner who works works with us. Uh, I don't think he's a massive fan of the of the two hundred. Um, so he's also but... mentioned that it's about time it went to uh, it went to a pig farm, which is uh, which. <laughs> which is his way of saying basically pig farms are where tractors go to die. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Generally he was not very positive about it this morning. Yes. We, we, yeah, there's not much we can do about that. It's uh, it is what it is, but Hey, ho, I mean, never mind. It's fine. It still just kind of works. It's just that some days we don't know whether we should be calling a mechanic or an exorcist. Yeah. Yeah. We could make our own horror film on, uh, on, on Deepdale with uh, the 200 as the central character instead of Carrie be great <laughs> wouldn't it really <laughs> yeah, yeah marvelous marvelous and uh, we you know we have our um our stewardship agreement finally the rpa have sent us a stewardship agreement it's only been what 10 months i think since we put in our application um so it started first we... of january this year apparently right okay yeah and we've we've now got it and it's mid-june it's great isn't it so we're going to go through that in the next couple of days and fingers crossed there's no more issues with it um, and we can sign it and return it so that'll be that'll be really good the wild wildflowers on um on north glebe are just looking absolutely stunning i wandered up there yesterday just for um you know fresh air and uh, and beauty and um quite a lot of campers were standing there watch uh, reading your little notice that you'd put up with explaining what was in the field and taking photos and going lots of ooing and ahhing and oh isn't that lovely so that's really cool that's uh, well, I'm the really thing that's great that. is the thing that's great is we've really only just got going i mean north glebe is one field and we north glebe is around about five hectares and just to sort of give people an idea of the scale of what we're going to be doing, roughly what you see in North Glebe is what we will be having on well over 80 hectares of the farm. And so, you know, it's it's going to be fantastic to see when it all gets going. We have a little bit longer to get a lot of our sort of wildflower areas established. And, you know, most most of that work we need to be thinking about doing in sort of August and no later than September. So we're going to have a very busy 
late summer this year because we'll have harvest and we'll also have lots and lots of wildflower areas to get established as well. And we're looking at options for how we can get our wildflowers established. So an experiment that we tried last year was actually taking some hay bales from a donor farm over at Warham and uh, basically splitting those bales open and, and trying to distribute the seed uh, from, uh, from a, a different meadow to our farm. And it was a bit of a disaster by all accounts because we didn't have great equipment to do the work with. But we're and also the weather was not kind. The weather was fairly, fairly heinous. So we are going to give it, we'll hopefully give it another go this year. And, and you know, the fantastic thing about doing, you know, uh, transfers of hay from another meadow like that is that we can, we can have biodiversity in that seed stock that's in that hay which is way over and above anything you can get out of a packet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, we, we live in hope that we can find a way to make that work and we'll have some truly incredible sort of wildflowers, um, you know, coming into, coming into next year across the farm. Yeah, we will, um, we will persevere and we will make it work. And I know that Henry from Fwag is, is very keen for us to be able to use uh, some of these wonderful um, wildflowers um, that have, been produced elsewhere so um, yeah looking forward to that and it, it, w- it will work in some way we just have to get there first open farm sunday that we've done in a in a very long time and uh, very exciting very exciting and really lovely that so many other people have kind of got excited about it too which is the lovely thing so you know you came up with this idea just a few weeks ago and said oh should we do it and you know Stephen was quite keen and Estelle was pretty keen and then we started talking to partners and suddenly we've sort of we've gotten a really interesting event and it's like oh this is just awesome um so yeah very exciting very exciting so the the plan is um open farm sunday is the sunday the 27th of june um it's free to come along but you do need to book a ticket because we can't we have to limit num uh numbers uh particularly um uh, due to covid um so um you do need to book a ticket it is free just head to deepdalefarm.com UK and you'll see um, Open Farm Sunday on there and follow the link to book your tickets. Basically, you can either come in the morning or in the afternoon. It's the same thing whichever you come to. So there's there's no there's no need to worry if you can't get tickets for the morning and it's exactly the same morning and afternoon. The idea is that at 10 o'clock and at two o'clock, there'll be a sort of a exhibition sort of wander around chat opportunity where you'll be able to see our kit that we'll sort of lay out and you can have some photos with you'll be able to chat with a a bunch of really interesting people who are going to have stands so that includes people like Norfolk Brewhouse or or Moongazer Ale as they're now called you can talk to people like uh, Norfolk Brewhouse and um, uh, now known as Moongazer Ale about um, the process from sort of basically the barley that we grow right through the malting process to the the lovely beer you can taste with them Um, 
you'll be able to chat to William and um, uh, meet some of his sheep uh, and possibly his young daughter, who's very insistent that she's um, she's going to be telling everybody about their lovely farming. Um, there'll be uh, Dominic and his bees and there'll be some lovely people from the Norfolk Rivers Trust talking about how they worked with us to avoid erosion and flooding on the farm and the nature that we're they're helping us sort of discover on the farm things like um, um, eels your water oh yeah of course the water voles so yeah the water voles are going to be brilliant if we can sort of find that we've definitely got water voles that'll be that'll be absolutely wonderful so it's going to be it's going to be a lovely lovely morning and afternoon and then if you want to join us um you need to book a, another ticket for that um again it's free but we're going to be doing a walk at 11 o'clock and at three o'clock so you can come along meet all the stalls look at the various different uh, bits of machinery chat to people and then you're very welcome to to join us on a walk afterwards. Um, as we say, tickets are completely free, but we are p- asking people if they'd like to leave donations for both the Norfolk Rivers Trust and for Yana, which is You're Not Alone, uh, which is uh, deals with mental health for um, the farming and rural community. So it's an incredibly important thing, particularly at this, uh, this strange times with COVID. A charity is much needed and needs much help. So, yeah, if, you, if you'd like to join us, please do head to our website, deepdalefarm.co.uk follow the links and um, and book on and we would love to see you. It's going to be really, really good fun. And if you can't make that, we are always doing our monthly guided walks around the farm on the first Thursday of every month. Um, again, if you go to our website, deepdalefarm.co.uk, click on the links, you'll you'll find the information. And um, yeah, either Nathan or I, Nathan's running the one in, in July, which is the next one that we'll be doing. And we haven't decided who's running the one in August yet because nobody's told us exactly when harvest is going to happen so we'll just wait and see on that one um but we it, it will be me or or nathan taking you for a guided walk around the farm explaining what we can see where we've got to with the with the process of changing the farm please come and join us it'd be lovely to have you with us and there will be many other events that we're going to be doing at deepdale over the time we just um we're working on that program um richard rude who's going to be with us for the open farm sunday um he's a countryside artisan he's going to be running some uh, pole lathing courses and, and things like that so there's going to be lots of stuff added on to our program so please do keep an eye on our website and you'll find all the information on there enjoy the sun man you managed to say all of that without breathing it was incredible <laughs> yeah i've got a funny blue color and i'm about to fall off my chair but it'll be fine yeah careful now <laughs> uh super duper i will see you very soon yeah cheers man and uh yeah i i hope there are no other bits of machinery that um get their own mind and that they all do as you requested so far fingers crossed cheers man keep well thank you We're standing down on the drove, which goes down onto the salt marshes. And if you uh, turn right or left, you can head onto the Norfolk Coast Path, just opposite Dalegate Market, uh, where all the shops are and the one-stop nature shop is, and also um, the campsite and hostel. So it's you know it's it's all of 150 meters walk, if that, um, and it's 
just like a different world. You step down here, away from the traffic noises, there is birds everywhere. You can hear a bird in the tree, which Ollie will explain to you. And I'm standing here with Ollie. He is one of the team from the, uh, the One Stop Nature, which is one of our lovely shops at Dalegate Market. And um, we're just going to have a little chat about, uh, you know, what does One Stop Nature do? What's local to see? And um, yeah, hi Ollie, how are you doing? Hi, yeah, good, thanks, Jason. Yeah, good. It's first uh, time, first time on Deep Dale podcast. First time on Deep Dale podcast. Slightly windy, <laughs> slightly cooler yeah. than it has been. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's is, actually quite nice. Yeah, out, it yeah, out of the sun and in in in, uh, in the shade and in the sun. But uh, yeah, welcome to Deep Dale podcast. Thank you're, you. You are a Deep yeah. Dale podcast virgin. I am the first time ever. Excellent. The first time ever. The cherry is broken. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Excellent. So, tell me a little bit more about what One Stop Nature does, because it's a it's a huge asset to the site and um, and, a, and a really good resource. Yeah. So we've been open nine and a half years now. Um, it was started by uh, Richard, who is the um, the managing director. He is Mr. One. Stop he is Nature. Mr. One Stop Nature, and it's also a friend of his who is more the microscope side of things. So, in terms of what we offer, we offer binoculars from all the sort of the top brands, including Shirovsky, Zeiss, and Leica, who are sort of considered the big three of the optics world and telescopes as well spotting scopes microscopes trail cameras um, digital microscopes bat detectors a whole range of bird food and bird seed as well but it's it's more than just a shop being a family-run business and also run by you know close friends of Richard we kind of keep it very personal so anyone that comes in is treated whether you're buying a pack of bird seed for one pound 95 or a Shirovsky binocular for two thousand pounds you're treated the same way and that's really what our mantra is it doesn't matter how much you spend you are treated equally yeah yeah and it, uh, the one thing i really love is that you know being a complete novice bot bird watcher have no idea about any of it really although i'm i'm, I'm learning slowly but I, I think i'm still well below the beginner level <laughs> um uh, the um the, uh, having you know people will be horrified having the, i've spent most of my life in norfolk uh, um, particularly in the north norfolk coast but the um the thing i love is that you know we, we chat to customers all the time on the campsite and I, I think i love about all of the team is that they've all got their sort of specialist knowledge and having you guys there as a place that we can send them to 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 understand you know what should they be how should they be seeing it where should they be seeing it and most particularly kind of you know what's what's completely unexpected right now you know it's just wonderful because you guys have all of that information at the fingertips yeah so i mean we've probably got a combined total between the three of us that work there around 150 years experience just a little bit yeah i mean most of that is richard but we (laughs) (laughs) we don't tell him that in person uh he gets quite upset but um yeah so it's having that experience of in norfolk you know none of us are actually from norfolk originally but all moved here in one way or another end up in the same place as i say that combined experience means that we are able to impart the knowledge to people whether they be complete beginners who have a query about a bird in their garden to people that are wondering where a particular rare bird has been sighted when it was last sighted that kind of thing because you never know who what the interest is going to take you know it could be photography it could be art it could be general bird watching it could be listing there's huge amounts of variety with bird watching and it's being able to answer those questions and being able for people to understand that birding isn't always as, as easy as it might appear and also sometimes isn't as hard as it might appear it's far more accessible than people think and i think the thing for me is that you know you, know, you can come down this drove and you can come onto these marshes here and in a very short period of time you can see an awful lot of stuff when you first look it feels like a very flat 
very dead um, uh, dead sort of space doesn't it very, very dead environment yeah, but then when you're actually standing up on the sea wall and you've got that just that little bit of elevation and you're looking across you've got the all the salt marshes to your left you've got all of our uh, freshwater marshes to the right you've got Sculphead Island in the distance the National Nature Reserve and you suddenly realize just you know the abundance of wildlife here and it's just so yeah, nice to know absolutely. that it's all there I, on I the always doorstep. I always see it the way I, the best analogy I can think of is if you think about Jurassic Park in terms of the T-Rex and the famous line of he can't see if you don't move that's the sort of thing with these marshes is that if if you don't if you look briefly and you think nothing's moving chances are you're actually missing quite a lot and actually when you start noticing things there's actually oh there's a bird over there oh there's two birds and it's and it suddenly it starts appearing especially in the evenings when the starlings come into roost or the waders come to roost like curlew you know the numbers of them can suddenly grow very quickly and it's just when they start moving in that's when the biggest um sort of visual experience comes about and certainly from the outset as you say it can look quite quiet but with time spent and uh, you know a good way to observe is just to sit and watch and wait and things will generally come to you yeah yeah and if you know this is june um it's we've had some gorgeous weather we've clearly had a very late um, late spring what, what should we be looking for what what's kind of unusual what's unexpected yeah so this spring as you say has been very strange um things like house martins which would generally turn up the end of april have actually been turning up in the last week of may to breed which is unprecedented that does does not happen their numbers are down anyway but on the flip side that has led to some very strange sightings uh, a friend of mine has always said if it turns up in june it's going to be good and what he means by that is that it's going to be rare it's going to be a rare bird and the reason for that is that by june in europe most birds are already in their breeding grounds they're established they're on territory they've got either even chicks or eggs so anything that does turn up now is always going to be a little bit odd and one of the biggest things this year or two big things this year certainly in may and just leading into june was an arrival of golden orioles which are a beautiful bird they're sort of yellow and black all over as an adult male sort of more greeny colors as a female and they're generally a species that we used to have here as much more common but because of habitat change and also um, just in terms of general population that has declined but this spring has seen a huge number come through norfolk usually three or four a day across the whole of may and into june and the second one is also rose-colored starling which is from eastern europe eastern european species the adults are a beautiful mix of black and pink they look in terms of size very similar to our starlings but very distinctive and they've been arriving here in the last sort of 10 days or so in huge numbers because of what is called an eruption and this is where you have a very good breeding year the year before and because of the strange weather conditions we've been having recently with lots of easterly winds these have come across from eastern europe and they've been moving on the norfolk coast so those would be my two things to look out for uh, in june they're still hanging around but it's an interesting time of year because even some of the waders that breed in the far arctic by the time you get to the end of june they're already finished their breeding season's over and it lasts for two or three weeks and you'll find that the females of wading species like spotted red shank uh, like golden plover can already start moving south so by the end of june we should start seeing them and that really for a lot of birds is already their autumn their autumn migration has already started at the end of june wow right okay well thank you very much ollie that's fantastic no and um, no don't be a stranger you're welcome back on the podcast yeah, no, definitely will. It's, really um, it's yeah norfolk's a fantastic place for wildlife and you know it, it could easily be in every month there's an update where something changes you know because it is very easy to come here in each month and see something different um certainly when we move into the main part of autumn in august and september and october that's when the biggest change happens but 
if you want any more information just pop into one stop nature we've got everything you might want if you want binoculars obviously we've got those or if you just want information we've obviously got plenty of that so if you well. are looking for one stop nature um you can head to the dalegate market website or if you're here in person head down um down the line of shops near uh, the deepdale cafe and uh, fat face uh, one stop nature is the large unit on the end uh, got the most amazing selection of uh, of information and binoculars and uh, and telescopes and all sorts of other things and you know call in there whether it's for a bird feeder or, or a pair of binoculars as ollie says so lots of books lots of other useful information and and go in for a chat they love to love to tell you what's local and um yeah they're a lovely bunch of guys so uh, call in and say hello thanks a lot ollie no really Jason, nice to thank have you. you on the podcast thank you very much cheers standing in the Staith Smokehouse, which is a, a lovely little sort of wooden fisherman's shed in the car park of the White Horse, which is in Brankster Staith, just a few hundred metres up the road from Deepdale. And I'm standing here with uh, with Fran. Uh, Fran is an award-winning head chef of the uh, of the White Horse. I'm guessing there's not hundreds of uh, lead um, uh, lead female chefs, yeah, so a bit of a bit of uniqueness there. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm just, we're just going to we're just going to chat about you know sort of what inspires her to put together the menus for um, uh, for the White Horse and the kind of um, yeah the kind of things that she loves to cook basically. So uh, introduce yourself, Fran. Yeah, so as Jason said, I'm Fran, the head chef at the White Horse in Brancaster State. Been head chef here for five years, but I've actually been chefing here for 15 years. Sort of came here after training in America and yeah, been here ever since. And yeah, I love it. There's so much sort of great produce here. And yeah, we're very lucky uh, where we live to be able to do what we do. And so when you're putting together like a, a you know, like your menu, how far in advance are you thinking? Of- With menu planning, like I say, we're so lucky. We've got the lobsters. We've got you know the great smoked salmon here that we do. We've got the Norfolk black turkeys. Um, it's not it's not all about the meat and fish. You know we've got great um, sort of farmers around here that do great vegetables right on our doorstep. And yeah, it's brilliant. There's so much we can use. So much. Yeah, I, I think um, we've we are nicely spoilt uh, yeah. oh, for uh, for good food, aren't we? Definitely. So it's uh, it's really lovely, and I've I've seen you wandering around the uh, the Christmas market before and noticing a few of the uh, the uh, the stall holders then. And um, so, what what got you into chefing? What 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 made what inspired you? Um, to be honest, if if I'm being honest, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I left school, and my mum said, "Oh, well, you enjoy cooking. You you know you're quite good at it. Why don't you go and try and do that?" So went to college for three years. You know, decided I was quite good at it. Sort of um, got opportunity to go to America and do a work placement there. Came back here. I did some training at Morstan Hall, so that brought me to Norfolk when I was at college. Came back intending to get a full time job at Morstan Hall. They didn't have any jobs, so my friend Richard had a job here. Said I've got a friend. Turned up the next day, no interview, no nothing, and like I say, 15 years on, still here. So must have been doing something right. And I love it. I love, like you say, we're so lucky, whether it's sort of foraging sea vegetables or going to meet the farmers or, you know, there's chutney makers, everything, charcuterie, you name it, we've got it within within reach of, of us. So, yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant. That's great, and um, and so tell me a bit more about because this is this is where we're standing. The state smokehouse is something that you've done with Phil, your husband. Yeah. Um, 
it's sort of my fault that you met him <laughs> because uh, he uh, he came to work for us at Deepdale as uh, as one of our backpacker staff and um, and sort of has never really left the area and uh, you, you you've now responsible for him rather than me which yeah. is lovely <laughs> um, and uh, you know so t- tell me a bit more about what State of Smokehouse does. Yeah, so um, we had the opportunity to uh, buy this business off a local fisherman, Simon Letzer, who um, moved to Scotland to just do fishing. His father, Paul, did it um, for for year, many years before that, built up a massive reputation on the coast. Phil worked on the bar, decided he wanted a change. Simon offered us the business and, uh, yeah, you know, he, Phil loves, uh, he did a bit of back, you know, back garden sort of smoking and stuff and as a hobby. And then this opportunity came along and yeah, we love it. Absolutely love it. You know, I do up the top in the pub and down here. So I'm now sort of doing both. So I don't know who got the better end of the deal. Uh, <laughs> Phil, Phil does like a four day week and I do sort of a 80 hour week. So yeah, we'll, we'll see who got the better end of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And, and so is it all sort of local produce on the whole that you, you smoke here or do you get stuff from all over? Um, all over, really. Our um, salmon comes from Scotland. It's farmed. It's the best uh, way for us, sustainability-wise. You know, we, we can... We, sometimes we smoke the mackerel, but a lot of it, the local, comes from being smoked in, in Brancaster Staith, really. Well, that's fantastic, Pran. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Hey man, how yeah. are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little bit tired, but I'm I'm good. It's that I'm exhilaration good. of lots of customers, <laughs> but that knackedness of lots of customers too. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is lovely to have everyone back. It's lovely to be firing on all cylinders, and and it's lovely to to have so many happy customers and with us. And the weather's been absolutely amazing, which has helped uh, everyone be happy and, and relax in the sunshine up here. And it's been great. It is uh, full on, but then that's what we want, really. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right. it's interesting to see um, the cogs having to turn really fast, um, having kind of. It's a very different. Yeah. I, you and I have worked all the way through the uh, the the COVID situation, pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, um, but it is a different physical physicality to it, isn't it? Whereas when we were in the lockdowns and stuff, it was using our brains trying to work out how we made everything add up, and uh, mm. now it's that yeah. physicality of making sure we can get all the jobs done. So, yeah, it's now dealing with the the day to day, you know, excitements and uh, unlooked for events that you think, how has that happened? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's deal with that one. Um, but yeah, so it's all uh, it's all good fun. But it's nice having customers back, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, it's the first time that the uh, you know this last month, first time the campsite's been anything approaching full, properly full for for a very long time. You know, eighteen months probably. And so, so nice to have tents and camper vans back in a way that we just haven't been able to have them before. No, that's right. It, it's a, it's different. You know, different feel, um, and it's lovely. The variety is great. So yeah, really good, yeah, really good. good, really, and everyone's been um, been happy and impressed, and and they've worked with what we've got to work with in terms of uh, ongoing restrictions and and how we manage those here, and you know we didn't know how that process was actually going to play out in real time, but it's working. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's working, and 
we're keeping people as safe as we possibly can while making it as relaxed and easy to use as we can. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah I'm, I'm happy. I'm Hats happy off to you and all the team. Uh, I'm I'm so impressed with the way that it's uh, that it's uh, it's working. And as you say, there's always some interesting issues, but um, you know, yeah, we we it's it's come together brilliantly well mm. in a way that. Uh, yeah, I think we were both very nervous about. So uh, it, it's yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's 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 good. I, I I have no no issues at all with with how it's working. I think it's you know and and ninety nine point nine percent of customers, absolutely the vast vast majority, you know they they want to to make it work and they're happy and and they they like what we're doing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good, very good. What are you looking forward to this um, this you know in the next couple of months apart from you know maybe some sleep. more sleep yeah <laughs> sleep occasionally um, I, I think just you know continuing to do what we do I mean we're we're almost completely fully booked so we know what's coming yeah you know and it's it's more of this you know we are in a situation where we would not normally be this busy at this time of year midweek and we are completely full yeah and so it's it's just getting the body and the mind attuned to doing that for another couple of months as, as a minimum and probably longer than that the way it looks and yeah just keep rolling with it to be honest and then festival at the end of september yeah working you know over the next couple of weeks we will we'll look to to a bit of festival work just so that we know where our heads are i think on it and now that the government have made the the latest announcement sort of which will cover us how we operate here until the 19th of July yeah and and then I think by the time we get to to the 19th of July or the week before we'll have a pretty good idea of what you know August and September are going to look like and then that'll be our real decision making point won't it for everything yeah but up to that point plan for it to go ahead as as we have already got yeah, got planned and booked. The lineup you put together is already is fantastic, and I know you're talking to other people. So yeah, there's a few uh, few more little additions we want to put in, really, um, and uh, that would be great if we can get the people that we're looking at. And um, yeah, we'll then look to put on the best event that we can in the circumstances and hope that it's as close to normal as we can get it. Yeah, yeah I think I, I will I will feel that things are beginning to get back to normal when there's a whole group of us jumping up and down to a band in the, in the brick barn. That will sort of that will make me feel like we're we're pretty close to the to the to normality at that point. So. Yes, yeah, I, I don't know when that will be exactly and you know who knows. I think we if we've learned anything over this last period it is that planning too far ahead <laughs> is not something that we should be doing. No, um, I think that's very true. Yes. You know, we we must have changed our plans. We must have changed them at least five, six, seven times. It feels like um, a lot more than that. Um, it may be just that we didn't yeah. we didn't formulate a full no. plan. We just had about thirty different options yeah. that we were going to consider and see which so, one to do. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, it's but it's it's all part of it, isn't it? Everyone's been dealing with the same sorts of issues yeah. across different elements and areas of the economy, and we're just a tiny little, tiny little cog in that. So, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way of putting yeah. it. Good way of putting it. Well, man, get some sleep. Um, thank you for all of your uh, incredibly hard work getting us uh, where we are, and um, um, right. and um, you know, and thank you to all those customers who are coming and supporting us, working with us on the in not normal, but you know, no. moving in that direction.
certainly uh, getting through uh, uh, Tiff Merritt's classic album on the way home every night when I leave here about nine o'clock um, and that's getting me home. <laughs> um, so who's that Tiff, Tiff Merritt Tiff Merritt yeah who's just a wonderful American North Carolinian um, singer songwriter who I've loved for many many years now and she's fantastic and her classic album Travelling Alone is, is, is a masterpiece it's an absolute perfect masterpiece I hadn't listened to it for ages and then it was in the car and put it on knowing that there's this one track that I always used to love to listen to as I was getting anywhere on my journeys of which I've had a few over the years um, still not home and that track just is the best driving track when you're on the last three or four miles home just best track still not home Tiff Merritt um, I've played it on the drums a couple of times when we've jammed around with bands and uh, yeah it's fantastic and the album is flawless the album is absolutely flawless you listen to it and every track is is, is so full of, of poetry and emotion and beautiful beautiful singing and playing it's the most brilliant album see this is what I love I, I ask you a question you're totally unprepared and you pull out an absolute classic like that I saw her live at Cornbury um, about eight years ago and, um, and yeah managed to have a few words with her and, and I'd known about her before then and it, she's just lovely and an incredible artist really incredible artist I'd love to get her here at Deepdale. I have to just keep an eye on when she might be coming back to the UK because she had a, a little baby, a little girl who's now old enough for her to tour again. So she's, I know she's getting out there again. So that would be great. That would be very cool. Yeah, that would be very cool. Yeah. And the only problem every time I, have, I, I do this with you is that I end up having to go and spend money on new albums, oh, which, yeah, uh, go, which yeah. is not a bad thing, but it, uh, you know, it can get quite expensive. But yeah. like going to Glastonbury, you have yeah. to kind of buy all the albums. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, thank you, man. Really okay. nice to chat with you. And yeah, um, yeah and uh, as ever, we will uh, we will chat again next month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Dios. <laughs> Cheers, man. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> What's on at Deepdale? It is just so lovely to have events to be able to talk about here at Deepdale. We can start with the the amazing pantaloons, the well hilarious pantaloons, I think is probably a better description, with their three outdoor theatre plays that they've got coming in the next uh, next couple of months. So um, in just a very short period of time, we've got Pride and Prejudice on the 26th of June, uh, which will be a brilliantly funny take on that uh, wonderful, wonderful book. Um, yeah, you definitely don't want to miss that. It, it will be absolutely hilarious. And then on the 6th of August, we've got The Tempest. They will find all the funny aspects of what is uh, one of the, the the darker plays, I think we could safely say. And then on the 22nd of August in the afternoon, we have the hilarious wind in the willows watching them flipping between all the various different characters will be absolutely brilliant and it will be superb fun for all the family um, that is in the afternoon on sunday the 22nd of august all through the year driftwood glass studio rose and kieran they run glass workshops um, you can book on whenever you want uh, give them a call and uh, and plan those they have regular both introduction and sort of deeper 
glass making uh, workshops. Uh, Rose was featured in our podcast last month making um, a, a wonderful coaster and you can go there and make your own so uh, give them a shout. The pop-up shops at Delgate Market continue. We have artisans every week. They change on a Wednesday so the pop-ups are open from Thursday through till the following Tuesday. Four different artisans, all sorts of wonderful different uh, products and um, yeah have a look around and come and visit regularly because there's some there's some great stuff there uh, the Deepdale pizza nights on Friday nights carry on and the Deepdale fish and chips on the Saturday and then we have Norfolk Thai coming to join us on quite a few Thursdays so that's quite a few Thursdays through the through until the end of August so check the website for details We've already mentioned the Open Farm Sunday, which Nathan and I were chatting about. I'm really looking forward to in, uh, welcoming many of you to that. And if you if you can't come to the Open Farm Sunday or you want to have a, a regular visit to Deepdale Farm, then we have uh, our farm guided walks on the first Thursday of every month. Um, take a look on our website. Please book ahead and you'll get a sort of an hour and a half to two hours wander around the farm with some really in-depth explanation of what you're looking at, where we are with our process of becoming organic, and a, a, a really nice way to see the farm. And of course, uh, in the end of September, we've got the Deepdale Festival, Thursday the 23rd to Sunday the 26th of September. There are still a few places on the campsite to stay we haven't announced any day tickets yet for anybody staying locally or locals um, we will be doing that uh, probably later in august uh, when we have a better idea of what rules we've got to meet to run that event but the accommodation is booking fast and we really really hope that we'll be able to run a fantastic event this year the lineup that uh, chris has put together is absolutely superb have a look on our website at deepdalecamping.co.uk, click on events and you'll find a whole heap of other events locally, everything from guided walks to workshops and exhibitions and yeah, come and join us for some of them. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deepdale Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast through any good podcast sites, including Apple, Google, CastBox, where we host our podcast. Just type in Deepdale Podcast to your favourite provider and we should be there. We love your feedback, so please do email us your thoughts and suggestions to podcast at deepdalefarm.co.uk. But in the meantime, if you'd like to listen to previous episodes, you can find them on your podcast provider or head to our website, deepdalecamping.co.uk or deepdalefarm.co.uk to see the whole back catalogue. The December 2020 episode is a must as Chris gives us his music release recommendations for 2020. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe and well in these strange times and hope we'll see you back at Deepdale in the not too distant future. Skies all open wide, geese go high and over. 